Downloads of the show are available at Podomatic.com or the Podomatic mobile app. Hey kids, you are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this show is Fish Out of Agua with Michelle Carlo. Woohoo! Today is Tuesday, December 5th, 2017. Oh my god, it's almost the end of the year. It's the holiday season. Uh, there's a whole new year about to come upon us after the feasting. And, well, I want to open this episode with this song, which reminds me that we are all rays of light. Well, some of us anyway. And even if you're not particularly fond, fond of this singer, you should be particularly fond of this song, because I am.
And we're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. Oh, you'll have to excuse me. For a moment, I thought I was Carmen Mafungo again, performing in a little second-floor walk-up um, blue-box performance space on Allen Street on the Lower East Side called Surf Reality, where a performer named Don Eng, whose signature act, if you want, was doing a lip sync to this, and the entire audience would go crazy every time. He did it often. People would ask for it, and the entire, whoever was there would just dance. They'd go up on stage and dance with him. It was such, I don't know, I guess it was one of those things where you had to be there, but it was, it was an awesome thing. And, you know, when Surf Reality closed in 2003, and there was like this two and a half day event called Surf Stock, where it People were just performing for like over 72 hours straight. Um, there was a point in time where they played this song. I don't remember which night it was. It probably was the first night. It probably was maybe like 2 o'clock in the morning. I guess, of, I guess of the second morning. And I just remember dancing to this under these colored lights and just like looking at everybody, like spinning in a circle, not even dancing, and just like taking in everybody's faces because... It was just such a beautiful moment, and you were with these people that you had these intense relationships and friendships and performances with, and you didn't know if you were ever going to see them again. And Anyway, I'm just having one of those moments. <clears throat> okay, that was Madonna with Ray of Light from the album also called Ray of Light, back from 1998. Yep, this might end up being the all-Madonna, all-the-time episode. Well, at least for this one. Because we're going to continue with this song, picked by this week's guest artist, to open her episode.
And we're back with Fish Out of Aqua on Radio Free Brooklyn. And that was, guess who? Madonna Ciccione with Into the Groove from her Like a Virgin album back in 1984. Where were you in 1984? I know where I was. Some of you might not have even been on the planet yet. I think our guest artist may have barely been on the planet at this time. And she loves Madonna. But, you know, I think it's cool to like music that's older than you. Anyway, that's just me. So, now it's time for our favorite part of the show. Whoa, whoa. Welcome to Fish Out of Agua's Guest Artist of the Week. Woohoo! So I'm sitting here with one of my favorite performers. Yes, I know every week I say someone's my favorite, but it's true because everybody's my favorite because that's the way this redhead rolls. So please welcome storyteller and stand up and a whole lot more, Anoush Frangian. Thank you so much, Michelle. Well, I'm so glad that, that, that you're here. I mean, this is, this is so great because um, I have, I've been doing this show for a while, over a year now. And, you know, there's like a limit to how many people like you actually know know. So at, at a certain point, you have to like branch out yeah. and like for people that like you just met. So that's, that, that, but that's like really cool. Like one of the previous episodes was someone I've known for over 20 years. And like, I barely have known you 20 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, t- so where did we meet again? Um, Two Truths and a Lie, the show, um, it was um, the Red Room. Yes, the Red Room, the, the top floor of the KGB, the one that looks like a speakeasy with yeah. the copper bathtub in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's such a fun show. And we both know, um, before I went, uh, one of my coworkers asked, is also a performer, who knows you? Oh, who's that? Uh, Siobhan O'Loughlin. I know Siobhan. Oh, my God. You, you, you buds with Siobhan? Yeah. Oh, my God. I love Siobhan. She had this fantastic show called Broken Bone Bathtub, where basically she did this show in an actual bathtub in people's houses, right? She she broke her yeah. arm or something? Yes. She also did it. She was, she's was she been in a festival recently. Um, it's really cool because she's, you know, in the tub. I'll have to get her on the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, let's talk about how you became a storyteller. Did you always want to be a performer, even when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah. yeah? Um, Where'd my, you grow up? Uh, Long Island. Oh, okay, uh, so you're a New Yorker, so you yeah. East Coast. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool, what town? Uh, Manhasset, in La- it's in Nassau County. Oh, it's like North Shore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm like I, I'm more South Shore, so I know. <laughs> For those of you who do not know, the South Shore is where all the trash lives. No, I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, the South Shore is the beach people, and the North Shore are the Bay people. There we go. Yeah, Bay people. That would be. The, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That would be the right the right uh, mix for that. Yeah, um, my dad was a, well, he, he's always a, a performer. He went to school for, um, in Armenia for um, uh, directing, film and directing. Oh, wow. So, and he used to do stand-up and in, when I was a kid. And uh, my mom is an illustrator, so th- oh. there's always been 
the arts and wanting to perform or so you grew up so you've grown up in a creative family yeah so um you mentioned that your dad went to school in Armenia is were you born here or were you born there I was born here in Manhattan oh okay <laughs> okay so, um but uh no my dad was born in Lebanon and my mom was um she was born in the Bronx and oh, then wow. she lives in Queens Wow, yeah. I, I I grew up in the Bronx. What neighborhood? I don't rem I don't know. Oh, okay. Okay, the Bronx is big. All right. Well, we're gonna skip that. And um, so, what do you have siblings? Yes, I have a brother who's um, about seven and a half years younger than me, and he's a musician. Wow. So, were you the kind of kid that that ran around the house with the hairbrush as a microphone, or did uh, you put on plays in your living room? I put on plays in my living room. Yeah. Almost, yeah. I had a, I, um, I have uh, a cousin who's three years younger than me, and so when we were little, um, I we would dress each other up, and we would we would make these little skits. We made our entire family every summer. Watch us. We had a big event every summer. Tell us, tell us about one of those. It was a lot when my um, when my grandmother was alive. When we were really young, it was refreshments and charging or giving everyone a ticket, and so and someone would. Uh, uh, that's from that I learned uh, about uh, what admit one le meant. And, oh wow! Um, you had actual tickets. Yeah, we made tickets, and we uh, we made everybody. Uh, uh, I guess you know, let us know if they were coming. Uh, I think it was either probably 4th of July weekend or one weekend where uh, we would make refreshments, set the table, and then we'd have skits. And one of the skits would be, there'd be piano, because I, at the time, I was taking piano lessons. And then uh, Nina would, Nina is my cousin, we would um, put on skits. And I guess as we got older, uh, the skits became like comedy skits. Were they influenced by like Saturday Night Live or in Living Color yeah, or anything like Saturday that? Saturday Night Live and um, uh, we did, um, we impersonated members of the family. You did? Yeah. Oh my God, so who were your influences would you say for at this developmental stage of your career? You mean um, family members or? As both, in, uh, both, both, both. Um, this stage would be, uh, I guess for my cousin, it would be Adam Sandler and Chris Farley. Oh, okay, the 90s crew. Yeah, yeah. and for me it would be more like Gilda Radner. Oh my God! Yeah, she was the best. <laughs> so, um, so what can you like briefly describe one of these skits? This yeah, so yeah. Funny. Well, there was one when um, we did one when um, my my dad and my my mother's brother were her brothers mm -hmm. were smoking cigars and uh, trying to get my dad accustomed to American humor. Oh, and, like, telling, okay. Like trying to tell him like, I guess. Like, off-color jokes, or just like funny, inappropriate, not inappropriate, but like jokes and trying to get him to laugh, so like trying to get him to understand how that was funny. Was it successful? I, I think so, because my dad has a signature laugh. Uh, he, I don't know if you ever watched the cartoon. Uh, well, the character on the cartoon was Penelope Pitstop. Yes! Yeah. Yes, <laughs> dastardly and muttly! Yes, uh, he laughs like muttly. Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God! Oh my God! So my cousin could do a great impression of it. So it would be, um, she would be my dad. That is like one of my favorite, favorite <laughs> cartoons ever. I'm amazed that that. Okay, maybe you're not as young as I think you are. <laughs> I'm sure, but I'm amazed that somebody. I'm I'm guessing you're in your very I'm, early thirties. I'm, I'm 33. Oh, okay. Oh, good. I'm amazed that um, somebody in their early thirties knows what knows what that is. Well, I, that's credit to my mother and um, the uh, 
television that we watched was she had good TV on all the oh, time. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess those all went in syndication until, like, I think Nickelodeon, and, and it was a, a, a channel called TV Land, which I don't even know if that yeah. exists anymore. Yeah, and they would run all TV. that stuff from the, from the 70s, all, all the good stuff. I, I wonder if, if really young people now are even aware of those shows. Sometimes I think that there's a line of demarcation I bet be there, yeah, between be. knowledge of pop culture that happened before you were born or when you were very young and not because I was asking the, what was I asking? I don't remember. They were very young. They were like maybe 22 and they didn't even know who Tom Hanks was. Like they did not like register. Tom Hanks. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know. I don't. I don't know. Sometimes I, I just think that like if it didn't happen before before the beginning of the century, it didn't happen. Whatever. That's sad. It's a, yeah, but I can't you know. really control everything. Yeah. No. So. <laughs> no. You can't. You can't. You can't. But I could be a curmudgeon about it. Okay. <laughs> so did you go to a performing arts high school? Uh, no. I went to a. Uh, uh, I went to the high school in Manhasset, which is the, um, there was a great performing arts, a great drama department in that school. Yeah. But the school, it's, I mean, it was a normal, uh, oh, high, it was very high school. Okay, so it was like basic high school. Yeah. Yeah, like Heather's. Yeah. There you go, there's a reference. I love I loved that movie. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but what, like, did you get casted in plays and stuff? I got cast in, um, uh, I, yes, um, but usually like ensemble roles, mm -hmm. and because I was always better at um, small comic comic characters. Mm -hmm. The one role that it was that I had like a main uh, I was uh, um, had a main role was. Uh, um, did you ever hear of the play Fools by Neil Simon? Yes. I was uh, uh, the lead woman, uh, Lenya. Okay, so, cool. So that was, that was cool. great. Well, that, yeah. that would make me think that I had a career after <laughs> high school. <laughs> um, did you go to a performing arts college? Um, at first, I went for two years, I went to Mount Holyoke College, and I did a lot of performing arts there. And... Um, I then transferred to per, uh, Purchase College. SUNY? SUNY, SUNY Purchase? Purchase? Oh, yeah, yeah. that's a great school. They, for, yeah. they had a yeah. dramatic writing program at the time that I really wanted to be in, and I applied and got in. Good, right. <laughs> so um, going from an ensembles in, in acting like when you're a teenager in high school to becoming a stand-up and a solo performer and storyteller is a big leap. So what made you decide to take that leap into comedy? And I also know you're an illustrator, too. So I want to know about these two paths and how they converge and come apart and go back together. Okay. Well, I, I decided in 2009 that I was going to take a class at UCB. So it started at, as improv. Um, were you in the training company? Uh, yeah, I took the classes. I went. I took the levels. Yeah. But I was never a, on a house team. Oh, or okay. Anything. Then I went to the Magnet and did some classes there, and I saw a, a show. Margot Lightman. Yes, I love Margot. Oh my God. I I saw a show um, at the Bowery Poetry Club when it before. Uh, yeah. Um, and oh my God, that's old school. That, that place closed in oh, 2012. That place was so. That was the best. That I, was I, my hangout. That place was the joint, man. That place was like the last holdout of what the Lower East Side perf alt performance comedy scene used to be. I saw so many great shows oh, there. Oh, tell me some of them. Oh, I saw Amy Schumer yep. there once. Um, I saw uh, Eugene Merman was mm -hmm. there. Um, 
I saw, um, there was this show called, oh, it's still, it's called Saka Puntas. It's mm. a variety show, mm -hmm. um, a, a comedy show, a mm -hmm. stand-up show. Uh, Jim Gaffigan showed up. It, it was it was really cool. What show of Margot Lightman's did um did you see? She was a guest on a show. Uh, she was I think she was on Sacapuntas one night. Oh okay. She, but I saw her perform and I was thinking that's great. I I want to do that. And it, I mean she was, was she telling a story? Was yeah, she doing stand up? Yeah, she was doing storytelling. It was great and. Um, Whatever the show was, there were stand-ups and there were storytellers. Oh, so cool! She was a storyteller, and then I did. Um, you even know that that was a thing at that point? I heard about it at that time. The moth was like talked about. Yeah, but I it never was. Got it, it was and, starting to blow. Uh, two, around two thousand nine was like when it was really starting to blow up. It, it took a big. Yeah. So yeah. it must. That's had to have been that year or something. And I was thinking, I, I want to do that. I, um, and she was funny, but not, you know, she wasn't being funny. She was being honest. And authentic. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the difference that I see often more and more and more again, as I see more and more stand-ups wanting to become storytellers. And some of them become good and successful storytellers. Well, successful. We just no money in fucking storytelling, hardly. You can, you can, you can make a living as a stand-up, as a road comic, but it's, it's very difficult to make a living as a storyteller unless you're like teaching or like doing like these huge festivals. Yeah, the best, what storytelling I think has given me is uh, I'm writing more. So when you saw Margot, that like sparked something inside of you that you wanted to do that type of performance? Were you, what were you doing at that time? Like improv. creatively, improv. improv. Okay. And um, I'd doodle every once in a while, but I didn't draw seriously. Okay. Um, I didn't, I also, um, th this is all, was all in my head. I, I created this. No one, you know, made me feel this way. When you feel like you're an imposter. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think that when you're, when you're in your mid-20s, it's, it's like, to it's, me, that's like the hardest time in, in your life. I think so, too. Because it's like, you, you, you know that you should be a quote-unquote grown-up, but you're tentative about it, and you don't want to get it wrong. Yeah, and, and you think that if you don't do it right now, you're never going to get that right. chance again. And, 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 and you don't want to make a decision because what if it's the wrong decision and it impacts everything in all your life forever, and then you just like freeze and do nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I've made so many wrong decisions, and it yeah. they worked out okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell us about one of them. <laughs> well, I never know if, I mean, I wouldn't say they were wrong, but I mean, I transferred colleges. I don't know mm. if that was a right thing well, or a wrong right. thing to do, but it, I'm okay with where it got me. Yeah. Um, I, um, I moved to L.A. in um, 2013. Okay. And uh, I, I, I didn't move the right way. Well, what, what did you move there to accomplish or do? I think it was moving to, because everyone else, not everyone, but the, pe the people, there seemed to have been a, a, a large group of people that were moving to L.A. at the time. Oh, okay. A lot of your acquaintances yeah. and like peers that from, from the improv world? Right, right. Okay. And were I they was, all improv or were they stand-ups? Uh, mostly improv. Okay. Well, what would be the... <coughs> presumed trajectory of a person who was an improver 
to go to L.A.? What, what would be their expectations, do you think? I guess to write for a TV show. Okay. Okay, so like I guess because I'm thinking that for a stand-up, yes, writer, but also to be cast like in a TV show or something, to yeah. be an actor. Yeah. So you think the same? The same. I think improv so would be too. the same thing. So yeah. writer, actor. Right. And uh, I like acting. I like performing. But I, I, I like being myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's not great for people that want a character type or are casting for a specific. Yeah. Actor. Yeah. And I and I kind of knew that too. I think it was more I want to do it and I I did it and um it didn't work out. I knew that I didn't want to be someone in my 50s who was pretending to be someone else still. I was thinking let's try to sort this out before yeah. So the, the worst thing is like to not try. You can understand totally. It's like you're about to turn 30 and you don't want to be like, well, I'm going to be 50 and I never did this because you're going to be 50 no matter what. If you're yeah. lucky, if you're yeah. lucky, you will be 50, and you will be 50, and did you do the things that you set out to do? Yeah. And that, that, that's, that's the challenge, right? And yeah, and then afterwards, you know, you, as you get older, you're like, well, me, you realize what things you actually need to do and what you actually don't need. You know, like, you, yeah. you don't need to go to the other side of the country every time you need to make a new decision or every time you want to try something new. You, you know better, you know what chances to take it or what yeah. chances. Yeah, so uh, how did you get into storytelling though? Like when did you start? Was the fr- the did you take a class or did I you just like? I took a class. Okay, with whom? Uh, Adam Wade. Oh, I found, great. I learned about, um, and yeah, because I had been taking improv electives at the Magnet. And then oh, I right, saw the and, Adam, Adam and Adam Wade. teaches at the, out of the Magnet, yes. And I wanted to, I, well, how, when was this? It was, uh, yeah, it had to have been, you know, 2012 or something like that. And uh, I learned so much from him. It was a really good class. It was, um, I think he teaches a second, a level two now. But, oh, wow. Um, That's but I r- took the level one. And, um, and did, that, did that class culminate in, like, a, a, a performance for everybody yeah, showcase? Yeah, we had a performance. I, uh, I learned about how much you have to practice. You have to actually, not just in the shower, you have to find a room that no one's in, or, you know, if someone's in, whatever, and say, you have to, like, really practice. You have to see, you have to say it out loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, your, your cat is fine. Yeah. You know, but, you, yeah, you, it can't just be in your head, and then you think you're going to get on a stage, and it's going to be perfect. I write everything from start to finish. Oh, so that's your process? Yeah. So you, you write it first, and then do you memorize it word for word, or do you do the bullet point thing? I, I think I do the, well, I, when I, by the time I'm writing it, I pretty much know where it's going. Okay. It, it, that would, you know, that would be the first draft, and the third draft would look a lot different and tighter. Right. But, um, um, yeah, I have, to, I have to write it out. Yeah, some people just compose in their head. I mean, I've done that a couple of times, but I don't know. It, it, it's 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 scary. Yeah, I, I like having it all on paper too, because if I wanted to illustrate for it one day, mm. or if I wanted to um, tell it again five years from now, I mean, it will change. My way of telling it will change, but at least I'll know, or at least I'll have a, a skeleton of it, or yes. what it used to be, and um, and I kind of know the rhythm of it. Like, I know how I want to start, usually, what I'm talking about. 
keywords I want to say, things like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those, those are the words that would that spark you to the next, to, to the next um, point, whatever, yeah, the or next the place. Line I the, yeah, start the line with, with the next place. Or the line that I know that I want people to really listen. Yes, to remember, right. It's like the first line, your last line, and then the point where it changes, mm -hmm. where, where, where the shift yeah. happens. Definitely. Um, so you're a recent Moth Grand Slam winner. Yeah. Yay! So um, who introduced you to the Moth, and uh, how did you <laughs> find it? And just you know, tell us a little bit about your experiences there. Because you experienced a very different Moth than I did when I f was doing it. Well, so I... Um, <laughs> my, I knew about the moth for a while. Okay. And I did. I hadn't gone until this year. Was it this year? Till last March, okay. early March, late February. My boyfriend has told a story at the uh, at the moth, and he uh, he's won a story slam. Okay. Um, and so he was in the Grand Slam also. He is in the Grand Slam, yeah. Was he in the same one no, as you? Not the same one. Oh, he my God. That, that, that would have been crazy. <laughs> um, but he's like, let's, let's go. And I guess at the time, I always, whenever I had a job, whatever job I had, it was always in the evening, like late until like 8 or 9. I had this job now that it ends at 6. So, like, let's go. Let's put our names in the hat and do it. And so we went to the Bell House in March. And, uh, I love that venue. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I, yeah. And, and it's the first time I went, and I put my name in, and and I and I won that one. You too. Yeah. Me too. I won the first time I went to a moth slam. <laughs> I put my name in in the hat. I think they called me like next to last, and I won. Oh my! It, it was. Isn't it I, cool? Yeah, I couldn't. Uh, it happens more. It happens more often than you would think. That like uh, going for going one time and yeah, then... yeah go, winning on your first try. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and then there's people that have gone like 50 times and they haven't won. I you feel bad. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got it over with. I won right away. <laughs> and <clears throat> and I don't. It changes the the, the the whole night, I guess. But then, if the story for for me, I just want to know I did a really good job up there. Yes. I just if. Um, I mean, that's important. Yeah, no. I mean, obviously, but I mean. Yeah, I mean, um, so, so I think some people put too much emphasis on the score and the winning and not enough about, well, I guess it depends on what you want to do with the stories. Yeah, that's the you thing. Know, you know, yeah. because there were, there were so many times when I was doing it regularly, like totally regularly, that, you know, I wouldn't win, and people would come over and they would be like, you would say things like, you got robbed, or I loved your story, um, do you have a mailing list, I, or they would book me for another show. Right. So like, you know, the takeaway, I think, for the competitive environment has to be different for everybody. Yeah, I just want to, I have so many, not that we all don't have so many things to say, but I, I, I feel like I'm going to keep on, whether it's story, live storytelling or writing or illustrating something to go along with, these aren't going away. They're not. They're going to keep coming. If it's not this, it's going to be a different way that I tell the story. Um. So have. So tell us a little bit about about your illustration. Do you do books? Do you do cartoons? I have a web comic. It's on WordPress. Oh, it's cool. Called um, Anush talks to stuff. 
It's amishtalksystuff.wordpress.com. Um, uh, it's about uh, inanimate objects that talk because, uh, you know, stuff, stuff listens. Stuff. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and uh, it's been nice to give myself little assignments, and, uh, but in a fun way. Yeah, you. I, I. I tend to get the the impression that you 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 like things to like flow. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, you like go with the flow. And uh, no, I mean, I know people. No one's banging on my door to get something done tomorrow, and they just want to see something good. Well, what or, ki what kind of things would be banging on your door for? Oh, I. Oh, I don't know. Cookies? Yeah. <laughs> I had to say something in Armenian. Because, you know, they're... Being Armenian is, I think, it's, it's an ethnic group that there's not a lot of you guys. No, but I, but there are a lot of performers that are. Yeah. Do you know the, the, um, the musician comic, uh, Rob Paravonian? Yeah. Okay, so I, I, he, I heard him tell a story once about how his grandparents escaped, like, like getting killed. Yeah. You know, to, to come here. So there's, there's a lot of history of being refugees. And do you think that, that any of that would be behind or influencing or uh, any of your work? I don't know. I don't want to go ahead and, and generalize, but, um, you know, Armenians... I hate, like, they lost. The, they got, <laughs> you know, they got... They got their asses kicked? Yeah. Oh. And um, uh, they're, they're, and they're slowly getting back to, you know, there are so many um, organizations that work to help Armenia get better. It's really, uh, um, but it's not like, you know... It's a tiny country. It's tiny. It's landlocked, and yeah. because of the location, it's just unfortunate. It's just hard. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's hard to be human. It's hard to be human. But yeah, it, yeah. it must be extra hard to be in a tiny landlocked country that people want to eradicate. Don't, or don't even know about. Or don't about. Or know about, <laughs> or, like, don't respect it. Like, yeah. I, I, okay, uh, my family is from Puerto Rico. You know, um, as we're doing this interview, the island of Puerto Rico is still experiencing a blackout. Like, that would never happen on the mainland. That it would be an outrage. It would be an abomination. There would be lots of resources to correct it. But... And no one's talking. And People no one's are talking. talking about it, but they're also not talking about right, it. Right, right. So I kind of feel like, you know, Puerto Rico, Armenia, you know, we, we share a little thing here. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah. People dismiss. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, and there are so few of us there. It, you can think whatever you want about the Kardashians. I, uh, when I was a kid in high school, nobody knew what Armenia was. Nobody knew what an Armenian was. Um, my name was a 10-minute conversation, trying to pronounce it right. I, didn't, I wasn't angry. I was more like, uh, I'm sorry, uh, this is awkward, uh, I wish. So you start apologizing for yourself oh, and who you yeah. are. I was a martyr since I was. Oh my God! <laughs> I am the uh, and but you know I I guess you know you you hit thirty and you stop apologizing a little yes. bit. Yes, <laughs> yes. It does. It's, it's isn't thirty freeing. Yeah. Oh my God! I'm saying, kids, just wait, just wait. <laughs> oh my God! So have you illustrated any of your stories? No. Oh, is that something I, you think, think you might yeah. want want to do? Yeah, I'm gonna do that. Is there a particular story of yours that you might want to, in your mind that you think would lend itself to being illustrated first? Um, 
I have a couple, like a bunch of them. The one I told at your at uh, No Name at. Oh, uh, okay. I liked that. That one would be uh, fun to yeah. illustrate. I the one the one I uh, in Adam Wade's class, uh, our class show for mm -hmm. my first. Um, I told a story about the first time I actually felt like I was part of my hometown, and it didn't happen until I was 22 because that was when I worked at the pizzeria in our town, and I've been living in in Manhasset since I was uh, uh, I was born there, but no one really knew who I was till I started answering, taking to go orders at a pizzeria. Oh my God! And it was the it was. Uh, so you are totally a fellow fish out of agua, aren't you? Oh, yeah. You're a fish out of water. So I, uh, speaking of fish, a little fish, I, you know, most people say a little birdie told me, but I have a fish. A little fish told me that you have a story for us. Oh, yeah. All right. So without further ado, story time with Anoush Prunjian. Yeah. Um, it's the summer of 2003. I had just finished my first year at Mount Holyoke College, and I was now working as a summer box office manager in Sharon, Connecticut. And I would be living in the dorms with everybody who worked there backstage. And uh, this dorm, it was like a, a little cottage, but more like a cabin. And when you walked in, the first thing you'd notice was that it smelled like cigarette smoke. And you see that the floors were lined with empty beer bottles. And I'm not a part, I was never really a partier. I, um, I was an old soul since day one and always pretty much too busy being Armenian to have any time for anything else like drinking or drugs or anything. But I was 19 and I thought that I should see how the other half lived. So within my first week of work, I uh, drank for the first time, smoked pot for the first time, smoked cigarettes for the first time, and also lost my virginity to the guy who operated the sound booth. So I now had a boyfriend kind of, and also earned myself the nickname Tequila. But uh, since I didn't have a big group of girlfriends at the time to get advice from or ask questions to, I was kind of putting the pieces together on my own, like asking myself if it was normal that he wasn't talking to me this much afterwards, or if it was normal that my body was still hurting, um, or if it was normal that I felt like I had a lump in my throat all the time. And, and if so, then how much of their sadness do women typically allow themselves to express as opposed to the amount that they just keep inside and forget about? But after a while, I couldn't take it anymore. And one weekend when I visited my family who has a summer home a couple of towns away, I saw my reflection in the porch window and I started to sob. And my uncle, who was sitting a couple of feet away from me on a wicker couch, looks over and is like, are you all right? And I just ran away and I opened the the porch door and I ran down the hill and as I'm running down relatives are coming up and I bang shoulders with my dad and my dad looks at me and he goes what's wrong and I, I didn't know what to say I was my my eyes were red and I wasn't gonna I wasn't planning on talking about this with my parents but I mean they're cool but they're also Armenian and my dad's from Lebanon so I didn't I I didn't was not gonna take any chances but since my dad could read me really well, he looks at me and he goes, you had sex. And I was like, uh, yeah. And he goes, did you use a condom? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And so he pats me on the shoulder and kind of like in a welcome aboard kind of way. And it's like, okay. So the two of us walk back to the house and I'm feeling immediately better, like I stopped feeling guilty and angry at myself, and now I can just feel sad the normal way. 
And um, we make it to the house, and at this point, everybody, most of the people leave. Like, my uncles and aunts leave, my dad leaves to go home, to their to the home homes. And um, uh, it's just me, my mom, and my little brother, who was 10 at the time. And my mom found out, and she, her response was a little bit different. She uh, lit a cigarette and sat me down and said, what the hell were you thinking? And uh, my mom has a tendency of coming on really strong till you realize that it's just her way of fighting for you. And eventually she just says, I just don't know why you never look out for your heart. And I was like, Mom, who looks out for their hearts anymore? And she goes, you know what I think? I think you should invite him over to have dinner with us. I think you should invite him to have dinner with me and Rafi. I think it would be fun. And I said, are you crazy? And she goes, what's the big deal? This is who you are. If someone's going to like you, they're going to love all sides of you. Don't you dare minimize yourself for somebody else. And I don't know what it was. Uh, maybe it was my inner Mount Holyoke-ness or my inner Armenian. But I just looked at her and I was like, okay. So the next day I go to the sound booth and I go, look, I know we're not getting married or anything, but my mom wants to know if you want to come over to have dinner with her and my little brother. And he was like, okay. And I was like, okay. And so I'm setting the table for the most unnecessary meal like of the century. And my mom is in the kitchen cooking this elaborate meal. And I'm like, mom, why didn't you roast an entire chicken? He doesn't even love me. And, and I hear his car door slam shut and I see him walk. I'm looking through the window and I'm thinking, oh God. And he walks in and everyone's saying hello. And it's fine. We're all sitting down. He and my mom are talking about bands that they like. My brother in here, my brother's talking about how he wants to be a musician and how much he loves music. They're talking about different instruments he wants to learn how to play. And I'm just kind of I've disappeared, and um, something happens though. Um, my brother gives me this look from across the table, and it, I, he was he's also too young to know what's going on, but also not too young to know what's going on. He gives me this look kind of like a, huh, kind of interesting evening, huh? And I just start laughing, and I'm laughing and laughing, and, I, and it's noticeable, but I don't care, and I'm, just so happy to be back and I realize I haven't laughed in about a week and I'm realizing that as much courage as it took me to leave home it took me like twice the amount of courage to come back and I was finally back and I realized that my that he was not the guest that my mom invited to dinner that night that special guest was me I'm so sorry I laughed. You um, cracked me up. Mom, why did you roast an entire chicken? He doesn't even love me. <laughs> that has to be one of the best storylines ever. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. Anoush, you are a delight. I hope we do stay friends for at least another 20 Weeks. That, that sounds great. <laughs> I'll go for years. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just start with the weeks for okay, you. Okay, okay. Easy, 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 easy. Um, so tell us, uh, where can people find you if they want to know more about you? Um, well, uh, my uh, my uh, web comic, uh, which is Anush Talks to Stuff. Mm -hmm. WordPress .com. Uh, I'm. Uh, that's my primary okay. uh, website. Okay, you're, you're, you're a yeah. WordPress girl. Yeah, All right. and uh, if you want to check out my uh, webcomic, um, it's also on Facebook, Anush Talks to Stuff. Okay.
that's excellent. Anush talks to stuff on Facebook. Um, so if you had, I asked this question of everybody when we, we get towards the end, if you had one piece of advice for that child sitting in, in their room or on a, uh, that wants to be something more than everyone around them is thinking that they can be, what would you tell that child? You can relax. You get it. You'll get it. Don't worry. You can relax. I have not heard that one before. You are unique and awesome. Thank you for being on the show, Anoush. Thank you so much. Hug in the air.
And we're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. Self-proclaimed old soul, Anoush Frunjian, she picked the songs My Boyfriend's Back by a group called The Angels back in 1963. It was a single that played a little bit under her story right after the part where, Mom, why did you roast an entire chicken? He doesn't even love me. Oh, my God. I... Everybody is great, and everybody cracks me up, but this is one of the times where, like, I could not hold it in. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right, I keep saying that. Okay, so the other song that we heard was um, Material Girl by Madonna from her Like a Virgin album in 1984. Once again, picked by Old Soul, Anoush. And guess what, kids? That's our show. This has been Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. If you like this show or any of the other fine shows on Radio Free Brooklyn, why don't you consider sponsoring one of us? Sponsor a living artist, support living artists. It's so easy. Just go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com or .org and look for the Donate tab to click down and do what it says, and you'll make an artist really, really happy. I also have an announcement. Um, Next Monday, the 18th, is another one of the series of Radio Free Brooklyn Presents. And there's going to be a show at the Footlight Bar in Ridgewood with Lost and Rewound featuring, uh, well, hosted by Elan Danninger and uh, featuring music and storytelling from some of the people that he's had on his show. Two of the storytellers I can think of offhand are the fantastic David Lawson and Amber Drea, who will be on an upcoming episode. So we are going to close this. Oh, yes, wait, uh... Next Monday, November 18th, 7 p.m. at the Footlight Bar, 465 Seneca Avenue in Ridgewood, Queens, New York. And stick around for the New York City talent show afterwards. All right. Now, kids, that's our show. This has been Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. Upcoming, I did say this was going to be the all Madonna all the time episode. Well, mostly Madonna all the time. I'm going to close with a song that I picked from Madonna that's one of my favorites, Holiday from back in 1983, from what I believe was her first album. Yep, old school and old soul here on uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. Stay tuned to Brooklyn Bandstand next, well, for Brooklyn Bandstand next, and we'll see you next week. Woohoo!